This is Prayer Room Companion, episode 89, recorded March 21st, 2012. How to Build a Catholic Culture. Welcome to Prayer Room Companion. I'm your host, Chris Bergwald, and I mentioned last week Father Dickinson can't be with us. It's Chrism Mass in our diocese, so the priests are all gathered together in Sioux Falls. Um, I say that like it's a bad thing. Anyway, so with me again are my co-hosts, guest co-hosts. Is that a, a reference lo- to us? A lo- <laughs> illustrious guest co-hosts. Introduce yourselves this time. He scraped the bottom of the barrel one more time. <laughs> Renee Leach. Kevin Miles. And we, uh, sorry, you can say something, Kevin? No, I was Okay, all right. <laughs> this is podcast. They can't see my reactions. No, but I saw your reactions. So, <laughs> so, so uh, Kevin, Renee, and I, um, I, I asked them what they wanted to talk about. They had no idea. So I said, well, how about we read this article? Uh, so there's, it's an article that was published in This Rock magazine a couple years ago by Jeffrey Miris, um, who was one of the co-founders of Christendom College. But the article is about Catholic, culture in general um, and how to build up culture, what culture is, and how to build it up, how to shape it, how to form it, and so on. Um, the context, why I thought it might be an interesting article to talk about, was the whole idea of building up Catholic culture. Uh, there was a, well, <clears throat> I, the two of you, I think, can tell me, can you guys, could you describe um, what was Catholic culture like before Vatican II, in your experience? I wasn't Catholic then. I have Kevin, no remember well, your childhood when you were right, I just, you know, I a remember teen being... before Vatican II? A teen before Vatican II. Yeah, I am see, not that old. Dear listeners, this is, this is me trying to get another age. I may age be the elder of this group. <laughs> My two elders here, but they're, they're the just elder in their, in their old age, they're oblivious to uh, oh, sarcastic. Oh, we're catching it. Yeah. We're catching yeah. it. Yeah, now that I'm spelling it out. choosing to ignore you. Sure. Now, you don't yeah. know anything about the college before Vatican II because, you know, you were. I was born. You were born in 1963. Okay, so I'm 49 years old. Yeah, so the council started the year before. So yeah. what do you know about pre? What do I know about pre? No, 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 no. But I will tell you, I did, I did live in a parish that was very conservative, simply right. because we had, you know, you were coming out of that era, and and obviously what I do your remember parents. about that area. I do remember it being very. Um, I remember church, faith as strict, faith as right. rules, right. faith as following the patterns. Um, and, you know, just like this article, faith is following liturgical year. And mm-hmm. follow, that was a part of our lives. And it seemed to be far more prominent or important than it does today. That is, and, I, that, and, and I want to come back to that. But, you know, the thing you usually hear about pre-conciliar Catholic culture is ghetto. That there was a Catholic ghetto. Yeah, where, where Catholics, out of necessity, going back to when Irish immigrants and Italian immigrants came to the United States, particularly in the what late 19th, early 20th century, those those bigger waves of immigration then, Catholics, uh, there was, on the part of, the, the culture then was, broadly speaking, Protestant, and there was some anti-Catholic dimensions to it, and so Catholics had to sort of establish their own ghetto, their own culture, um, and, and so Catholics sort of kept to themselves and built up that Catholic culture. Um, but that also happened in rural South Dakota and within the establishment of the United States. You know, the town that I grew up into is a French community, a French. Sure. And then the town that my family moved from was a German-Irish community, which is a rural farming area. The next town over was German-Russian, right. Lutheran. So you had Lutheran, you had Methodist, you had so they settled and all. They also created their own little ghettos here. They're so. enclaves in yeah. a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so 
after the council, maybe the, the positive dimension was that one of the things the council wanted the church to do was engage the world more to bring Christ to an increasingly secularized world, uh, even the 60s, how much more so today. Um, but maybe where there, there was some misunderstanding was um, the influence. <laughs> there, was, there was, in a sense, too much negative influence the other way. And so the church, many Catholics, at least in our country, lost almost entirely a sense of what a Catholic culture looks like. It just lived the culture around you rather than shaping the culture around you. And so today, they're, they're, you know, the, the church in the United States is struggling to, to refine that balance where, where you don't create a separate enclave where you're still trying to influence the culture, but maintaining a Catholic culture that you're trying to bring to the culture around uh, so that's that's sort of the context of why I thought this would be an interesting article to read. Um, before we get into the article itself, any any just general comments about that theme apart from this article, part of either of you? No, I think it was good pre for this article too. I, I think it's a good introduction to this conversation. Okay, really good. Yeah. That's good. Okay. So the article is titled How to Change the Culture. I should have, I don't know if I said that. How to Change the Culture, if you want to look it up. Um, the great thing about podcasting is you can now pause it and go read it and then come back. Or maybe not, depending on how. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. <laughs> Listen to us babble first yeah. <laughs> and then go read the article. <laughs> so what did you guys think about the article? Just generally before any specifics. Just broadly, what did you think about the article? Broadly, I really enjoyed the article. Okay. I did. Why? Why? I mean, I unless unless, one, unless it resonated with a theme that I just spoke on just a, a week ago, okay. and 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 it really pointed out something within family uh, about living your your Christian Catholic faith life in public. You know, okay. it really resonates with me, okay. and I like the points that he brings out. There's some points I yeah, I'm going uh, okay. I'll I'd like to debate that further, but. Um, but otherwise, it was. I was. I thought it was a great article. Okay, Renee. I've actually kind of been wrestling with with the article. Um, I've had moments during this Lenten season where, um, as I read stuff in in the news and things going on, where I just think, I don't want to live in this world anymore, because yeah. um, yeah. it's 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 so against you know some of the things that are being done are, are so contradictory to what I believe in and how I want my life to live. And the article for me reminded me that. It starts with me. The, the Catholic culture starts with me. Right. And as a Catholic, that's part of my responsibility of being a Catholic is to start that change. Right. So what, what he does, um, just to get into the more article more specifically and then any comments from it, he, he talks about what culture is, and maybe in a nutshell, this is me um, paraphrasing what he says. It's, it's the patterns of life that come forth from the principles that we hold to. So it's 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 not necessarily what people claim to believe. It's just how they live out whatever it is that that they believe that it's their principles lived out, and then in their own lives, and then the spheres of influence, the the people immediately around them. So for most of us, that's our immediate family, right. um, and then our friends and extended right. family, and out from there. Um, and so there there you know we all have different spheres of influence, and so there are culture. There's in a sense our family culture. There's the, the culture of our city, of our state, our country, world, and so on. There's all these, in a sense, different cultures that interact and overlap. Um, and and his he explains all of those and then gets into, okay, so how do we as Catholics, how, how do we shape our own culture and, and lead to um, 
the, the culture around us. Any specifics from the article that, that I mean, sir, we did just did the, the broad overview. Kevin, you, for instance, you mentioned there some, a couple of things that you take issue with. Um, or unless well, you want to start with the... I don't know if we want to start right away with the issues uh, no. I have, but, you know, but well, I mean, I, what I really appreciated and what re- resonated with me was, was in the essence, he starts off with, uh, uh, Ephesians chapter four, 17 through 24. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think this is a powerful way to say, now I, now this, I affirm and testify to the Lord that you no longer live as je- the Gentiles do in futility of their minds. And basically what he comes out and says, you did not so learn this from Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and you are taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. You know, what he starts with that biblical verse, and then he says to us, he says, simply by living in Christ, living in the sacraments, mm-hmm. we are different in this world. And where have we gone wrong? And in his points, he says, where do we claim this back right. in our today's society? And that's how he starts off the article. And I, th- I found that very... I thought a very good hook for me to bring me into the article. And that's what, and that's part of what I talked about last week is as simply as claiming to be Catholic separates me from society mm-hmm. and challenges the secularism of our society. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I think that's something a lot of us as families and mm-hmm. a lot of us as people are constantly challenging with. What I disagree with is that, is that it's, um, sometimes I think he throws everybody out except those faithful Catholics that are going to church on Sunday, I still think God has this way of hooking us and continuing to pull us in. I think there's that. God is constantly knocking on those that are devout and those that have fallen away. There's there's some hook there. There's either there's the love of We've God. We've talked about this a, before, have we? Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> well, this came. I mean, that's, I'm pretty sure this came up in a previous podcast. Okay, he's not, maybe it's a theme that I keep on going around. I think head. it might be, <laughs> so, but I think. But, but the, the, go ahead. No, but I, I think he sometimes he just pulls this out where he says he talks about because it's he he points out the family and and he to me he seems to uh, that sometimes I think that he negates that there's some individuals. Sometimes he's walking away from the individual responsibility. I don't know. And, and I agree with that. There, farther down in the article, he talks about, um, you know, if if you have the Christian faith, if you are living your life and what you believe within yourself, that's great. But if you don't share it out there, if you don't teach your children, if you don't reflect that to those around you, bring it into your mm-hmm. into your work world, bring it into your hobbies, bring it into your other things, it, it goes stale. It mm-hmm. our faith was not meant to be kept inside. It right. was meant to be And that's where I, and, and that's what I appreciated with the article is it comes back and it challenges us to live as Christ in the secular, secular world. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I wonder if that secularity is, is not, has not always been there. No. Yeah. It hasn't. You don't, th- you, no. The, the world around you just we just talked about it briefly. Still, in in, in the United States in the mid twentieth century, at least in certain areas, the the day, life the I don't know about daily life, but life was shaped more. For instance, you were talking about the liturgical year. Mm-hmm. You just gave that tiny example. Think about pre Reformation Europe. I mean, when when everybody was to some degree Catholic. I mean, 
the rhythm of life was set much more by the faith. That doesn't mean everybody was faithful. Yes. That's what I'm trying to say is that I guess with a, it'd but be just a very to, good, nice social social arc, uh, conversation about to know what part of the population was faithful and not faithful. You know, to, is it more or less the same or is it more or less worse now? I, And that's why I keep on thinking that we're throwing so much under the bus when I think that in many ways God is at work here, even in our... But he's not denying that. He's not denying yeah. that. It's, it's not... I don't... He's not throwing the baby... I, to say that our the the rhythm of life in our country is antithetical to the gospel is not to say that God is not work is is not at work. I just I th- and I think and I'll give you a really a very real example um, of how I think our society has changed. I remember um, growing up Protestant that um, Wednesday nights you couldn't have any kind of practice. For sports, you couldn't have any kind of events on Wednesday nights because the Catholics had religious ed. That was church night. And on every Friday um, in our school, we all ate fish because all the Catholics had to eat fish. I mean, it was very prominent. There were no choices. Everything followed the church, which was fine. And then you look at today, and just driving around the city, I noticed... Um, oh, and then Sundays, Sundays were, were a sacred family day. You just, you didn't plan things on Sunday either. Um, there were, um, there were soccer teams out practicing on Sunday afternoon. Um, I know in the school that my daughter goes to, they plan um, practices and activities on Wednesday night. And, um, and we, we as parents, we as Christians, have allowed society to push through some of those things, we've allowed those things to happen. We've okay, and, and, and we haven't just allowed it. We participate. We participate, and, and, and to some degree, encourage it. I mean, why is there practice? Because because we, the parents, want our kids to win. Yeah. To get first place. The you know I mean it's it's this hasn't happened without our cooperation. I mean. At least, at broadly speaking. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and I think it goes back to this article, because the article says to live a Christ-centered life. Everything that you do has to flow through your belief in God. Everything, your hobbies, your activities, everything. So, if we are truly living a Christ-centered life, then we need to say, "No, Wednesday nights. We're, I don't care if the rest of the team is practicing. You are not, because that's." On Sunday, that's a family day. That's a day of, you know, I, it's those kind of things that, that I pulled out of the article that mm-hmm. it, it challenged me because I can see how, as a society, we have gone no, and I, and I agree that, and I agree with that. And I agree with all of this. It just, it brings up certain questions in my mind is how, you know, how secularized have we gotten compared to previous? You know, because... I am defined by the world I know. Right. And so I, I'm, so I know what I grew up in in a small town in the middle of South Dakota. I did, you know. So I don't know if that's the rest of the world and the, how that's coming. Now it's it's my desire to learn that and to grow from that. But but uh, so that was questions that continually nag at me as I'm going along. I definitely see what you're talking about, Renee. I definitely see how it's there's been creep into my life as a Catholic. 
But now I go, my kids go to Catholic schools. And so, you know, Wednesday nights is not a sacred night. So I don't really care about Wednesday nights. And I think that I should be able to have some practice on Wednesday nights, <laughs> even though, because you know, I'm, I'm footing by at least part of the bill for Catholic education. And, you know, I'm going to pull something together on a, a Wednesday night. Um, you know, especially if the cross country team is going to be meeting before the meet on Thursday and have a spaghetti feed, we were told we can't have it because of the rest of the we can't have spaghetti feeds anyway. Okay, just a second here. You know, I don't know if that's secularization. I do see the the, the Sabbath, you know, and, and the Sunday being uh, trampled on quite a bit, and that the focus of family. But beyond that, it's 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 also what I think. You know, I was just talking the other day. It's, it's even ever since John F. Kennedy uh, gave his speech about Catholic education in front of the Baptist mm-hmm. uh, ministers. I think that was one of the biggest, boldest steps of secularization by a Catholic faithful yep. in, in, in the 20th century. And it'll be, I think it's one of the, 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 I think it was a foot down a path that is very dangerous for us as Catholics and has led us down this way of, of us being able to stand up in society and, and, and to um, say, I am Catholic and that is different from the rest of the, rest of the, the United States of America. Um, I got to let the rest of them figure out where they're going to, you know, the rest of the world figure out where they're going to make their step. But I think it is in the political sphere, in the society sphere, is to say that, you know, that is a different, I live a Catholic life, which is different from the rest of society. And this is where this article is challenging that. It's not only challenging, and you start it with those little points of keeping the Sabbath day. You you started with those little points of the fish on Friday is, is to be different. You know, I, I'm different, and I pulled my rosary out at a talk I gave. I said, I carry this with me every day. I pray it. I try, you know, I don't just carry it. I do also pray it. I said, but I also carry it simply when I'm reaching in for change at the store or reaching in my pocket and I touch it. I remind myself that I am Catholic, and that is different from, mm-hmm. from many others. And I have to live my faith. It's my reminder. And I think that's what he's calling for. And he's calling us for to look at the sacraments and how we can – incorporate that liturgical year, that, that Lent, mm-hmm. that Advent, those times that we are called to pay attention specifically to what's coming up. I think that's a very profound thing. And I think that's how we do have to incorporate that back in our family lives. And I, and I think, and, and to go one step further, because I totally agree with you, I think as Catholics, we need to support each other in that, in that effort on those small things. Um, I, because I don't think often enough we encourage each other to say, yeah, that was a really good idea, or we're going to do that too. Or I just think, um, and maybe it's because my children don't go to Catholic school, but sometimes as a Catholic, I feel like I'm standing out here out, out on my own trying to stand up for my faith and, and, and for what we believe. You know, when you, go, when you go to a public school, you don't have that support system of right, other right. Catholics around you. Oh, I agree. I am, you know, and that's where, but it's funny how much the, the of uh, within the Catholic system when you can go to an athletic event and you can be sitting with a crowd and you can understand that there's far fewer fewer faithful Catholics sitting with you in that crowd than you could be sometimes within the other side where the public school you're playing. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there is the challenges of even the faithful who deem themselves faithful of being, of living that out, and, and we have to. Um, uh, we have to challenge that, and even even uh, in the everyday life, uh, from 
just with your neighbor, with with the person you're going to go out and have a beer yeah. with, to you know, is is to remind yourself and understand that you are fall, you are um, you are you have learned from Christ. You are different from the rest of the yeah. world, and you are called forth to express that difference. Because it comes up in in the simplest of ways, and I and I think you have to be I think you have to be conscious of it, and I think you have to be very purposeful in it. Um, if you just wait for the opportunity, or if you just you know it's when it when it happens, it happens. I think I think we have to be very purposeful about um, in every situation, keeping in mind that we are children of of God on how we treat the lady at the grocery store or the guy driving down the street who cuts in front of us mm-hmm. or I think we have to be very purposeful and set out. <laughs> it's funny you say that. Um, Monday, it was mid-afternoon and I was driving by one of the schools in town, high schools, and um, school had just let out and there are a couple kids walking across the road. No no crosswalk, just walking across. Like they owned the place. Like they owned the place. And and I was I was going to just go and, and pass before they could cross. They didn't even look. They just walked. I had to stop. And I... <laughs> those who know me know that those sorts of things really make me unhappy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But then I thought of that. I mean, well, hold on here. Now, how am I, like, as I was thinking about what I wanted to and say to them, and I, and I hate to say this phrase because it's become a cliche, but what would Jesus do right now? What, what does Jesus think about this young boy and girl? I think you're a boy and a girl. And he loves them. And what's, so what, what, if I were going to confront them or challenge them, would I do so as, you know, just, the, you know, a couple of young punk losers, blah, 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 blah. No, that's not how Christ, that's not how I should go about it as a Catholic. Like, how how do I see them? Well, Jesus did just go and whip uh, just a few weeks ago, didn't he? Doesn't drive. Yeah, who did you do that to, though? A chain maker. Yeah, yeah. But, but and look what happened to him. That wasn't the sinner's <laughs> righteous indignation <laughs> somewhere. But that, so that's what we go through. thought they were righteous. Anyway. <laughs> it's, 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 but yeah, it, it's about, it's, it's not just what we believe, but living it out, as as you both have been saying. I What I, and I mentioned this the other day with, with Kevin Renee, near the end of the article, he talks about the liturgical calendar, and we've already alluded to it a couple times. And I really do think that that's a, one of the points you make, okay, so how do you do this? How do you live out a Catholic culture? How do you, how do you live out your faith to create a Catholic culture? There, there's not really, there's not a set program. I mean, it's just, it's about being prayerful and being prudent and living our beliefs out. But there are some places that where you where you can begin and he talks about the litur- liturgical year. Well, and the incarnational as, as the incarnational says, principle. principle. Right. Yeah. It, which but I, what does that mean? I mean, okay, so therefore what what does that mean? The, particip- okay, I, the full participation within the sacraments. Listen, when it, I'm cooking and my wife uh, Jermaine will, you know, gives me a hard time with. When I'm cooking, I need the recipe. I can't live with oh a little bit you of this, a little examples. bit of that. I need I need concrete. To, what exact exactly I'm supposed to do or concrete examples. And when I do it, oh give me some of that. No, yeah, whatever. So I have one type A and one fly by the seat of the yeah, next yeah. to me. Um, so that's so, okay. The, I, I agree with the incarnational principle, but what does that mean yeah. in practice? 
it, it's, it's ironic here that it's the theologian who wants to say, okay, what does that mean in real life? <laughs> That's not ironic at all. <laughs> no. No. Anyway, so he talks about the liturgical year. And, and my point to Kevin and Renee the other day was, you know, a couple months ago we had Super Bowl Sunday. You know, in a, couple, in a few months we'll have the 4th of July. Memorial Day, Labor Day. We have all these civil holidays. Um, we could talk about the, the etymology of holiday sometime. Well, we just got through the, the, one of the greatest secularized holidays. We'll talk about that one because that gets into a whole other debate. Um, <laughs> but how we celebrate and we participate. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying we should be going to Super Bowl parties or celebrating the fun. We should, but shouldn't we celebrate with just as much fervor the great solemnities of the church year or more fervor? I, I think it starts with getting a church calendar. And um, and this is, as because this has been a topic we've been talking about, we had a solemnity um, this week, the yes. Feast of St. Joseph. Yes, not not St. Patrick. Just, with just St. Joseph. St. <laughs> Joseph. Um, and I went home to... And I gave up chocolate and sweets for Lent, um, which has been very difficult for me. <laughs> well, let's let's canonize her now. Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> no, anyway, um, on the solemnity of Saint Joseph, my family was thrilled to hear that because we were celebrating the feast day of Saint Joseph, we could all have we could all partake of those things we had given up mm-hmm. for Lent. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that was just one way to incorporate yep. it in there. Yep. And my, you know, we had a discussion. The kids were mindful. We and he got her chocolate. And I ate chocolate. And I went home and drank a six-pack of beer. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I, mean, I don't think you are. No, that was fine. Can you edit that out? <laughs> I'm sorry, that's part of it. No, but... Hi, Kevin. <laughs> I had to say that. Back on track. Back on track. <laughs> so, we had talked about it that day, and I said, oh, wow, I can have six pack of beer then. Oh, okay. So, all right, all right. But there are other ways that, I mean. Well, but that, to me, that is a great way. So we have another one coming up. The, uh, March 25th is the Feast of the Solemnity of the Annunciation, because it falls on a Sunday. It's transferred to Monday. So you can ask him more beer and chocolate. <laughs> No, but the, I won't. Okay, <laughs> so. But they are. But that, those right. Those are ways, little ways, like that. But where we um, and we've we lost that. Somewhere, many of us, not to not to use you know broad generalizations, but somehow I think many Catholics lost an awareness of those cultural markers. Archbishop mm-hmm. Cardinal Dolan um, of New York City has. Uh, talked a few times in the last several months on his on his blog about you know maybe we need to recover some of those these these identity markers yeah. that this cultural markers he's for instance we've already talked about it Fridays uh, meet on Fridays right in in um, the in, in Great Britain the uh, the the bishops have decided to reinstitute meatless Fridays really yeah. throughout the year throughout the year yeah. not just in Lent. Wow. Uh, I, I know in some our di- in some some dioceses in our country that's been done for, for specific reasons. Um, I know one diocese where um, the bishop has a few years ago asked the the people of the diocese to give up meat on Fridays for um, life, for ah. for the, the um, sanctity of fast life. for the sanctity. Yeah, of life. to give that's up cool. to give up meat. Um, 
Good idea. And, and I know that there are different people talk, having those conversations about um, different parts of the church about things like that. But but even apart from those sorts of, we can do that in our and again in our own families. It, it doesn't. Ha- we don't have to wait for. And again, the country I, right. to make a decision. We, we can just, start ourselves. We need to choose as individuals what our priorities are. Right. And then and incorporate live that, live and that. live it. See, and that's mm-hmm. a, and that and the, the thing is, is I really do believe that the, the institutional church really has to try challenge, which he talks about closer to the end of the article, the privatization of faith. Mm-hmm. And I think that's ultimately what our society has pushed more than anything, that we have to privatize everything. Right. Any personal beliefs you have to privatize, but except if they are the going flow of society right now. Right. I mean, if it's to save the pets or if it's, you know, to, to uh, uh, but, I'm trying to think But the don't opposite. you think that, that <laughs> privatization of our faith is just a way to make life Easier. I mean, I get a little frustrated with the privatization, and it, it's it's kind of like our, as a society we compartmentalize our faith. On Sundays and on holy days, I'm going to be Catholic, and on the rest of the days, I'm going to do what the rest of society yeah. does. And 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 I, and this is my belief: being Catholic is not supposed to be easy. Well, it's, it's also supposed not to, supposed to be private. No, it, I mean, exactly. It we, that's. We're supposed to evangelize. It's supposed to be difficult so that we rely on God. Yeah, and, and, that, and that's what I'm saying. I think as institutionally, I mean, the church, and I think it's it's great that Britain and it's, it's great that dioceses within this uh, nation are challenging the people to begin fasting. But it's got to be an outwardly fasting. It's you know, it's got it's it's got to be visible. It's just like saying grace in a restaurant. Um, it's it's just like making the sign of the cross out in public and not just when you're standing up in the batter's cage or, in the, you yeah. know, or at the free throw line. It's it's making the sign of the cross when you really need to. Maybe it's making the sign of the cross when you're seeing this kid walk in front of you. Maybe it you is. Know, in front of, I mean, that's the same feeling I right. get at Walmart when 50 million people are coming out and they all believe that that white line protects them from getting hit and they don't have to pay attention to me trying to cross over the median with my car. It's one of those things that those outwardly signs of being able to uh, to to express our faith, and it, you know, it's it's just like somebody was asking me in the RCI class I was talking about this last time was um, processions and what that little canopy is that they go over the monstrance mm-hmm. as they're walking around the church. And I'm saying, well, it's great that because we were well, I forget what holiday, what feast day was coming up, but they were going to process around the church. And somehow it came up, and we talked about that outward expression of, of, of having a procession outside in your community, and how that is an outward expression by the institutional church, to not make our faith private. You know, is to have a little parade, mm-hmm. you know, and to consecrate mm-hmm. our our community with blessed Eucharist in in that. I think that's those are the types of things that I really valued as a kid growing up. Right. And and I took on the challenges from the public. You know, I was a public school kid anyway, but I took on the whole fish eating, snapper eating, and Mary, Mary worshiping challenges, um, because it, our faith was very much discussed within our families. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it also has to, to happen too. Is that you have to talk within our families about not privatizing your faith, about living your faith outwardly, like that first reading from Ephesians was saying, you've been given these tools by Christ. You are different. Right. Live it differently. Right. And that's what he goes through. And it's that sacramental sacramental life that has to be lived in that outreach. Um, and so it is a challenge. 
Um, but I think it's easier to challenge that society today because I think they have very little to stand on. I, I, I think there's so little of an argument that when they look at that difference that there is going to be a great deal of evangelization to do because I think there's a lot of conversion to happen. You think there's sense. a lot of conversion oh, I, I to, think there's coming? A to, to happen. Like, to happen. Yeah. I, 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 think, I think people are hungry. I, oh, I, see, I see people who have grown up in secularized situations and families that have privatized everything hungry for faith. Right. Hungry to find stability. Hungry to find some identity that's lived outwardly in a chaotic world. And I, th- and I really think that I think we're prime to live our faith outwardly. Yep. And, and, that's, and that's where I say I think God is moving in the secularized world and is, is setting things up. But, but that requires us to act. Oh, I, I, absolutely, I, I completely agree with that. I'm not arguing that point. Um, sometimes I, th- I think the article is more geared, it doesn't point that out enough, mm. that, I, that's, that in our society, that I think there is a hunger for this. That is not that is in the mainstream of the secular society. I think I think we've pri- that that since the fifties and sixties and the sixties that that secularization has taken over so much that there's so much hunger out there for truth that we who are faithful. Yeah, but the fact that people to, are starving isn't a good thing. No, I'm. It is not a good thing. But I'm saying we have food. You think the pendulum is going to swing back? Yeah, I really do. Right. I, I think I think they're so hungry. But but I, my, I guess my point is to, for him to point out the fact that the the, the culture around us is starving. Y- your point is the fact that they're starving can be a good thing, right? In, insofar as it opens up, but the, but the fact they're starving is still a bad thing, right? No, I agree. Yes, and I didn't mean to make that. No, I, I, I know. But but I'm saying that thing. I think there is such a good. Uh, an opportunity for our there, faith. Absolutely. It's a call to action. But but I also think it's not that they're starving. I think that that God is present. God's presence there is is tweaking that hunger. I, I don't think they're totally ignoring God. I don't think I, I don't. I think in the United States of America we have one of the most Christian nations. No, we don't. It, no, we don't. In the sense of evangelical Christians, I think they're. If you if, if you read the evangel the evangelical poll takers. They bemoan. They, they they sound a lot like us. They bemoan the fact that their fellow uh, religionists aren't living out what they came claim to believe. We don't. Li- we don't. We live in a nominally Christian country, but you can't tell me that people are living out their Christian no, faith. No, I'm, I'm. I'm saying they're living it out fractionally. They're fractured. Okay. Yeah, I agree. And I think within that, there is there is food to be offered I agree. by the sacramental life. I agree. That's what I'm trying to say. And I think our society as a whole is Christianized, waiting to be fed. Okay. What does Christianized mean? Well, that's, I, that's, yeah, I, I, that's a word I pulled out when I was <laughs> debating with you. <laughs> Nothing's you worse up, than guys. getting in a debate with you. <laughs> so, I say, you keep using that word. I know what I think I it mean, means. What do you think it means? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think there's a strong... I see so so much growth happening in the evangelic side of the church where it's a feel-good kind of mentality because people are searching for it. Right. And, they, and, and I think they just are... They're, they're concerned about... They're looking for the easy fix. Yep. And I think in that society, that's to me a Christianized society, that they're 
they're bent to, they're leaning towards but they need to be given the meat yeah uh, they've, get, they've been given the sugar, but there's something that sure. they have to have to sustain them. Sure. And I think that is... Well, and that just makes sense because our souls know that they want a relationship with God. I mean, that's... I think they're there. restless and they're looking for that, just like St. Augustine. They're restless until they find their peace and, and they rest in you until they rest mm-hmm. in Christ. And I really believe that is the sacramental side. I think this article points that out beautifully. And I, and I think that's a wonderful... I, if you're an evangelist, I think this this article points points you to, man, we got a lot of harvesting to do. Mm-hmm. We got a, a lot of good work to do. And I think that's a very, very positive sign. And I and that's why I'm sitting there. I, uh, I'm hopeful after you read something like this. And I'm hopeful in, in challenging my own children to live their faith, mm-hmm. which constantly happens every day which I sometimes don't want to know if they're catching on to, but I hope they are. Your job is just to plant seeds, Kevin. Well, I know, and that's, (laughs) yeah. But you're still looking for concrete ideas. No, 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 no. I I think the liturgical years. I I, I don't think there are any more than that. That was just, I was challenging challenging the the whole incarnational principle. I I think that's the principle from which we have to live, but we need, I think we need to give each other I you know examples yeah. of what that looks like okay Socrates and so what <clears throat> else do you find that that uh, um, that you would want to that's all the time we have today <laughs> <on> <laughs> I mean you do this to me can I do it to you no I, I, I think for me uh, this has really been on my on my heart and mind for uh, well over a year now um, a couple of years trying to structure m- our home life more by liturg- the liturgical year. I, mm-hmm. I've been. How, how do we? How how do I build up a Catholic culture in my mm-hmm. home, my wife and I, how do we do that? And I, I do think it. I think a, a good place to start at least is the liturgical year, and 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 reclaiming some of those um, small T traditions that that families have used for generations, for centuries, means by which they would celebrate. Um, the solemnities and so on. Um, you know, we we don't necessarily you know get the day off of work or whatever. It's not, it's not again. It's not a civil holiday the way it is and or has been yeah. in other places. But it can be celebrated with a special dinner Absolutely. or Absolutely. a special treat or what? Oh, you just made me think of something when you said small teas. That reminded me what you just said about the solemnities. I was if teaching my children, if the school is teaching my children, in the religious class this last time, they were told that it was a solemnity and, you know, the fast didn't appeal. I came home and I was chewing out the kids for playing the PS3 and they told me, Dad, today's a solemnity. I'm going, the little rats, why is the school teaching you that? So, you know, there's some little tease I want and that's fasting throughout all of Lent. So, no, nope. I'm sorry. Nope. <laughs> I know, bad teacher. Bad uh, teacher. Yep, yep. <laughs> so. No, I think those are that I, to me. That is a way, uh, and and then the key though is, and this Renee, you made the point earlier of supporting one another. My family, but then groups of families. Right. You know, we have to you know, so, again support communities one communities of faith. Yeah, within within and within our parishes. I mean. Yeah. That's the natural place to, to look um, for, to build those networks. And sometimes you find that, you know, even within those groups, you have to live your faith out even more right. and teach there. Right. And, and get involved and talk and, and be present. Yep. So it's a challenge. It is. But like you said, I mean, it's a, 
it's not it, the opportunity is ripe for us to live out our faith in action yep. anything else I've got Kevin does <laughs> but I think he's I'm old <laughs> <laughs> All right. so we, with that we will wrap it up uh, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Prayer Room Companion thanks and God bless